Good morning. It is good to see everyone. First and foremost, I have to thank James and the elders here at the early Church of Christ. Um, I kind of invited myself. I'm just going to be real honest with you. Uh, I'm speaking at the, I'm teaching a class at lectureship this week at Abilene Christian, and I, I was very careful. I, did, I, I went back and forth on even, even trying this, but uh, I finally Facebook messaged James. I said, I'm not asking if I can preach. I'm offering to preach because I'm a preacher, and if somebody comes through and I get a chance to sit with my wife, I'm going to take it. And so I said, ask the elders. If you don't think it's a good idea, don't ask the elders, but I'm going to be here Sunday regardless. I can preach or watch you preach. I don't care, but I'm offering. See what I did there? And so uh, he said, I think it's fine. I'll check with the elders. And the elders said yes. And so thank you as I invite myself to preach at your church. But um, this is huge uh, in my world. I love early Texas. I have no blood relatives in early Texas, but this is home. And so any chance I get to come back to early, a couple of people said, early's not on the way to Abilene. I'm like, it is if you're me. And so uh, we went from South Arkansas to early, and I'll go to Abilene tonight uh, and then be there this week. But um, I just, I don't know. This is where I need to be. And so uh, it is a blessing to be here. Uh, and I, I think I tell the same cheesy joke every time. But I had a colleague that was a minister, and he said when a guest speaker comes to church, uh, you're blessed one way or the other. If he does a good job, you're blessed because he did a good job. If I do a bad job, you'll look at James and go, man, we're blessed to have you. And so either way, either way, you will be blessed today. Uh, an update on the family. This is my crew. This is back in November. Um, my oldest, Derek, uh, is a freshman at Harding University in Searcy, uh, where I went, where I met Kara. Uh, he's playing baseball. Uh, my Austin is the one here. Uh, he is a sophomore. And yes, he's taller than me, as you can tell. And then Briley is my sixth grader. Uh, she's our dancer. And so don't know what we're going to do with that yet. But anyway, uh, so Derek is playing baseball at Harding. Austin has always lived in Derek's shadow. Uh, Derek was at Harding ten, uh, six days before Austin committed to be a pitcher for the Razorbacks. And so he's 15 years old, uh, but the Razorbacks want him, and he wants the Razorbacks. So our goal at our house is to keep him healthy and, more importantly, humble. And so keep the Job family in your prayers. Uh, as we try that for the next three years. And it's so awesome. Joel Johnson's back here. Joel was my Little League baseball coach for many years. He's never met my wife, but he would openly admit that they got their athletic ability from her. It was not from me. So I'm glad Joel's here because bless his heart, he got to, he, he didn't get these boys. He got me instead. And so, um, several of you have asked about mom and dad. Uh, those of you that don't, that didn't know us back in the day, uh, my, my, we were here from 1980. Till 2005. This was my home congregation. I graduated from early in 93. Uh, my parents moved to Bismarck, Arkansas in 2005. Uh, my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 14 and for the last five years has just been going down. Uh, they live in El Dorado with us uh, and dad has been under hospice care in the nursing home since last June, June 2018. Uh, and I was telling Dr. Martin today he has been in the final stages of Alzheimer's final. I don't know what that is anymore. Uh, but the final stages of Alzheimer's for the last three or four months. And so uh, please continue to keep my dad, Charlie, in your prayers. I know many of you do. Uh, please continue to keep my mom, Lisa, in your prayers. Uh, she is the ultimate caretaker. They've been married 49 years. Uh, she, he's in the nursing home and she's at the house, but she spends seven to eight hours a day by his side. And so uh, keep her in your prayers. Um, he is in a peaceful state, but she's the one that worries me. And so uh, just the stress level of that, and, and as you can imagine, uh, all of you are good folks and caretakers, and we'll be doing similar things. But just keep uh, Charlie and Lisa in your prayers, and I appreciate it. All right, who I am in Christ. That's where I want to go today. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark. 
And if you're one of those funny people on Facebook, someone's already asked, is he going to talk fast? And the short answer is yes. So just hang on. Because this is what I want us to do today. I want you to understand who you are in Christ. I have the, I have the privilege, the opportunity to preach every Sunday. And so when you get to go be a guest speaker somewhere, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but you want to bring the best thing you've done recently. Or you, you look at the audience and say, what do we need? Do we need to challenge them? Do we need to beat them up? Do we need to encourage them? What do we need to do? And so I think it's important in this moment where we find ourselves that we are encouraged, that we are lifted up, that we are reminded of who we are in Christ. So I want to do something a little different. It may, be different, it may not be different for y'all. It's different for me. I want you to see what's going on behind me. Oh, that's a mess. That's unfortunate. Okay. I was going to have you read these, but that doesn't look like that. But that's going to happen. Oh, bless your heart. Okay, so here we go. I want you to read what the Bible says about you. Okay? If you are in Christ, I'm going to talk to you for just a second. Those of us that are in Christ... Scripture says there are several things we can know about ourselves. And I'm just going to read them off my little, my little cheat sheet right here. So here we go. And you can, you can do your best. Here we go. Here we go. I'm God's child. As a disciple, I'm a friend of Jesus Christ. I have been justified, declared righteous. I am unified with the Lord and I am one with Him in spirit. I have been bought with a price and I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I have been chosen by God and adopted as His child. I've been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I'm complete in Christ, and I have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. I wish you could have read that, because what what I'd like to do is for you to read that out loud where you hear you say that. Where in your own voice, in your own words, you hear what the Bible says about you. Because so many of the messages that we get in the world today is what's wrong, what's negative, what's bad, what needs to be fixed. How we long for the return of Christ because this world is so messed up. And in the midst of all of that, we have to make sure that we understand that Jesus is always victorious. That as we, as we are people of the word, we understand that when this is all said and done, God wins. And as children of God, the kingdom of God is never at risk. We know that God will prevail. And so it's important periodically that we look at what Scripture actually tells us about ourselves and we are reminded. And that list is impressive because we are accepted, but it doesn't even end there. Is that any better? Sweet. Let's do this. All right, here we go. I want to read with you. I want you to read this out loud. We're just going to walk through it together. We'll go at a pace. By the way, I see cameras. I love that. If you want these slides, I'm Kent Job at Hotmail. I'm just that hard to find. If you'll email me at Kent Job at Hotmail, I'll send you everything I got. Anyone else have a Hotmail account? Am I the last one? There's th- okay, thank you, Cheryl. That's good. All right, here we go. Let's read these together. Again, I want your voice. I want you to hear the, these things about you, that the Bible says about you. We know we're accepted. We also know we're secure. Here we go. I am free from condemnation. I am assured that God works for my good in all circumstances. I am free from any condemnation brought against me, and I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am confident that God will complete the good work He started in me. I am a citizen of heaven. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I think we need to hear that. 
I think we need to see what Scripture says about us. We need to be reaffirmed in our own mind what God says about us. It's not some preacher that uses flowery words or it's for itching ears. I just want to tell you what you want to hear. Scripture tells us we are these things. We are accepted. We are secure. Let's see. We're one for two here. Here we go. Yes. And we are significant. Last one. Again, let's read these together. In your own words, I want you to hear you say what the Bible says about you being significant. Here we go. I am a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine, and a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am God's temple. I am a new creation, and I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want you to see those things. I want you to own those things. That when you let your hurts, habits, and hang-ups affect you and get in your world and get in your mind and you feel that you're worthless, we are accepted, we are significant, we are secure. It's important that we understand that as believers. Somebody once said it's the saved that act like they're, that they're not saved and the not saved act like they're saved. Have you seen that in your world? That a lot of times as believers we find ourselves beating ourselves up when God says all of these things about us. It's important that we get that. Now, I want you to make sure you get those. All three of these are very important. That I'm accepted, that I'm secure, and that I am significant. And you need to take just a second and kind of let that wash over you before we go any further. Because there's a real mentality of, I've got to be good enough. I've got to do enough good works for God to let me in. That there's this cosmic scale in heaven of good deeds and bad deeds, and if the good deeds outweigh the bad deeds, God has to let me in. You don't find that in Scripture, but that's how a lot of us act, right? We trust God, but I better make sure I do the right things just in case. I want you to own these three slides because I think it's important that those who are in God own these things about themselves. They become part of our DNA. We are part of the true vine. We have been chosen. We are His temple. We are ministers of reconciliation. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But knowing that... When you take all of those things in and you own those truths in your life, knowing that we've got work to do. Turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. I like Mark chapter 12 because if you're like me with all the things that are going on in the world, sometimes you just want somebody to say, okay, let me, this is what you need. This is what you need. Break it down for me. What is the most important thing, right? We've always, we've been in audiences where that speaker has said, if you don't get anything else out of it, get this. What's the point of that? So that as, as listeners, you kind of perk up. That if I've lost you throughout the presentation, if I say, if you get nothing else, people go, well, what's he going to say? Is it be important? So this is what we see here with Jesus. In Mark chapter 12, let's begin in verse 28. I'm reading out of the ESV. It says, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked them, which commandment is the most important of all? There's a bunch of commandments. Jesus, get this down for us. Uh, chug it down with a hogs can eat it. That's what they say in Arkansas. I don't get it, but they say it a lot. So, then, so just chug it down where we can get it. What is the most important thing? Here we go. 29. Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. That's the Shema out of Deuteronomy 6, right? 31. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. 
Let's go a little further. 32. And the scribe said to him, You're right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no one besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. 34. When Jesus saw that, he answered wisely. Saw that he answered wisely. He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. All right, so I want to break down the lesson in two different spots today. The greatest command is to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So let's talk about love God for just a second. I'm a big Francis Chan fan, and I love this quote. Do you know that nothing you do in this life will ever matter unless it is about loving God and loving the people he has made? That's what Jesus just said, right? Nothing is more important than loving God and loving the people that he has made. Now, again, we understand, we've already read that we're accepted, we're secure, we're significant. All of those things are true about us that are in Christ. But as we are in Christ, it falls to us to make sure we are doing this. And not only are we doing it, we're doing it through the right lens. We're not doing it to get to heaven, but rather as people in Christ, it is all about loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves. So how do we love God? That's a good question, right? What does that look like? I'm I'm a point guy. Give me, okay, I love God. Wonderful. What does that look like? How can I get better at that? Let me give you five or six. Six is good. All right, number one, find out what God wants us to do and start doing it. I know that sounds over simple, oversimplified, but it's really not. Jesus talks about in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 14, 15 and 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. As a kid, for my parents, how did I show I love them? Their obedience. Did I do what they asked me to do? Are there other things involved? Absolutely. But at the, the kernel of it is, when my parents asked me to do something, did I do it? Did I trust them enough to obey whatever it was I was being asked to do because I trusted that they had my best interest at heart? Did we trust God that much? That's number one. Number two, enter his presence as much as possible. The first thing we have to do is we must be willing to obey. The second thing is we have got to be willing to spend time with the Father. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. When we understand that everything we do can be constant communication with our Father. How many of you have a cell phone? That's kind of a silly question, right? All right. Everybody's got a cell phone. Yeah. Um, my sweet wife, married 22 years. We are always in a, in a perpetual texting conversation. Always, 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 always. There is never a point where that conversation is over, right? Never, ever, ever. She asked how the trip was last night. She texted me this morning and said, do, do good. Can't wait to hear about it. Uh, she asked about, we got this bill. What do we do with this? I mean, just questions, constant questions, communication all throughout the day. And there's never a point when I say, Kara, our conversation is over. Never, never. After lunch today, I'm going to take a picture of my plate at Underwoods and send it to her and go, <laughs> and do something like that. And she's going, to, she's going to send back some ugly thing that I can't share with you. No, she won't. But, um, but we're going to be constant. When I get to Abilene tonight, she's going to say, how's your hotel? Everything good? You good to go? And I'm going to talk to the kids. I mean, it is, we are constantly communicating. 
And when we talk about this praying without ceasing, a lot of people are like, well, do I just have my head bowed, my eyes closed up? What does that look like? That means you are constantly in communication with the Father. Big things, small things, eyes closed, eyes open, driving, sleeping, in the shower, wherever you are, you are constantly communicating with God and allowing God to communicate with you. If you never say amen, i be careful there. But I mean, when you, you get what I'm saying, right? There's never a point where you wrap it up. We always must be in communication and ongoing conversation with God Almighty. And that's how we get closer. We obey God, but in order to love God, we spend time in His presence. And the more time we spend together, the closer we draw to Him. Number three, let Him speak to us through His Word. Psalms 119. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Do we believe it? We know it says it, but do we believe it? I like this quote. I don't know who said it. Don't say God has been silent when your Bible has been closed. Are you hearing people today? Where's God? Why isn't God showing up? Well, a lot of people are saying that aren't opening it. He's speaking. He's telling us as believers, as those who are in Christ, how we are to respond in certain circumstances. But in order to figure that out, you've got to open the book. The book is old, but the book is still extremely relevant, right? Have you ever read something about good grief? That applies to right now. Written 2,000 years ago, it still applies right now, but it must be opened. Number four, bring him sacrificial offerings. Hebrews 13 says, Through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledges his name. And the amazing things about those of us who are in Christ, if you look at Colossians 3, as Paul is writing, wherever we find ourselves, If you're a student, if you're an employer, if you're an employee, if you're retired, if you're male, female, Democrat, Republican, black, white, in everything that we do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. If you were always serving the Lord Christ in everything you did, would you treat people better? If you were in customer service and everybody that came in was the Lord Himself. Would you treat them differently? Would you respect them more? Would you get angered as easily? You don't know this guy. We had a guy this past week in Eldorado, Arkansas that goes to the church where I preach. They got in a fight with a guy in a bank parking lot because he parked in two spots. Next thing you know, the guy that goes to my church pulls out a knife. Guy's 60-something years old. And when asked why he did it, that, the other guy had called him a bad word. Truth. Sounds like something your kids would say, right? Not a 60-something-year-old man that goes to church that should know better. But when we get to this point, everything that we do, if someone takes up two spots, does it make me angry? Yes. Does it make, it make me angrier than it should? <laughs> Absolutely. But that person who knows what's going on, how am I going to treat them? If that was Jesus that took up two spots, how would I respond? Would I pull out my knife? Probably not. How do we respond to those people who are around us? If we really want to love God, we're going to bring Him sacrificial offerings. And there's a whole other lesson in that too. The whole idea of sacrificial offerings. It's easy to give what doesn't cost us anything, right? I can do all kinds of stuff as long as it doesn't bring me out of my comfort zone. If I don't have to stretch, if I don't have to sweat, if it doesn't take more out of my account than what I'm anticipating, I can serve all day. Sacrificial is the key. Sacrificial is, if I really want to love God, how can I be fully used for Him, even to the point where 
It stretches me. Let's do this. This will be fun. All right. Back, put your back up against the seat. Thank you, those of you that are still awake. All right. So I want you to stick your hands out as far as you can. Backs up against the seat. Hands out just as far as you can. Far as you can. All right. Everybody doing it? Far as you can. All right. Do it a little bit further. See? All of you did. See how that worked? I told you to go as far as you could, and you did. And then I said, go farther. And what did every one of you do? You had it. You had it. Right? You all lied. Bless your heart. All right. Front rows for y'all at the end. I'm just, no, okay. Um, this idea of Christianity, I want you to do all you can. Done. Done. Sacrificial says, well, I'll do a little more. When it comes time for missions, when it comes time for using your time, when it comes time for spending time with God, all of us can do this. That didn't require much effort. Yeah, that took a little bit more. What are we sacrificing for the sake of God? I think it's important that we're honest about that. Number four. We've already done that. Number five. Here we go. Quit. Ah, this, we're going to start meddling now. Quit any activity that brings reproach on his cause or name. Colossians 3. You ever seen those passages in Scripture you wish Paul had just written a little bit differently? Because they're really hard to put into practice. This is one of those. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5. Put to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Don't you wish Paul had just said, just work on it? (laughs) Right? Just do better. Do better. Right? What does he say? Put it to death. Because Paul understands, as long as we still have a a hand in the temptation, I don't want to be deeply involved. I'm still going to hang out in in Waller, right? There's a reason why Paul says, put it to death. And there's a reason why he says sexual immorality, because he didn't just give you everything that means. You know what sexual immorality is, and he knew you knew that. That's why when he says, put it to death, he doesn't want it to cling. He wants it to be final, severed, done. Again, it's, if we truly want to love God, we've got to quit any activity that brings reproach on his cause or name. And several tests that help us out with this. This was a, a former colleague of mine, some really good stuff. Several tests to apply to our decisions and activities. Let's kind of go through these. Number one, will they lead to freedom or slavery? It's a good question. Uh, will they make me a stumbling block or a stepping stone? Will they build me up or tear me down? Will they only please me or will they glorify Christ? Wow. A lot of the things we try to justify are number four, right? They're not going to glorify Christ. It's just what I want. And then number five, will they help me to win the lost to Christ or turn them away? Through those five things, as we look at the decisions and the activities that we face on a daily basis, if it runs through all of those, that if it leads to freedom, if it will make me a, a stepping stone, if it will build up, uh, if it's glorifying Christ, if it will help win the lost, absolutely. If not, you need to rethink it. We need to rethink it. All right, then number six, love God, love others. Uh, verse 20, First John 4, says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. If you want to love God, we've got to love people. Can you love people you don't like? I hope so, because I do it quite often, right? There's some people that are easy to love. There's some people that are not so easy to love. And Jesus knows that. In the Sermon on the Mount, he even builds in, we are to love who? Our enemies, right. We're to love our enemies. Because if we only love people who love us, we're no different than the rest of the world. If we only love those people who are easy to love, who like me and I like them, even pagans do that. That doesn't make us special. 
That makes us blend right in. And frankly, it's not very sacrificial. All right, let's sing a song. Um, we're going to do Love God and Love Others, and I promise the second half is shorter. Uh, James assured me that y'all knew this song, and you sing it amazingly well. So I'm going to step out in faith and lead this, and we're going to do amazing things. Starts off with the alto, add the bass, add the tenor, and then we will do uh, that last part. Soprano, here we go. <clears throat> love one another, for love is of God. He who loves is born of God. Base love as all things be these all things love hopes all things. Let's talk about love others as we wrap it up. Again, John tells us in 1 John 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 9, 
In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. There is such a correlation between God and loving others. We can't love God and hate our brother. We have to love others and we love God. And it's all just intermingled. And I want you to see how that's just all enmeshed uh, together. Verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation Sorry, Benny, that's a big word. Propitiation. Whoops. I tried to be cute and messed up. All right, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God, and if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. That's a lot to say that if God loves us, we ought to love each other. And we know who loves God by the way in which we love other people. You know it. You can point. You can tell stories of people who you know that love God so much that they can't help but treat other people the way God has treated them. We're merciful. We're more more forgiving because we understand what God has done on our behalf. Look for ways. This is one of my favorite parts as we wrap up today. Look for ways to outgive, to outlove, and to outserve those God has put into your past or in your path, in your path. We're in your past. In your path. Now give, out love, and outserve. We would not need marriage counseling if spouses would learn to outgive, out love, and outserve the other one. Amen? I had to ask for it, but I got it, right? Now give, out love, and outserve. If I'm constantly trying to find out how I can outgive, out love, and outserve Kara, we're never going to find ourselves in a spot where we just don't know how we can make this work. But both of us have to be willing to do that. In our relationship with God and in loving others, if I'm always trying to outgive you and always trying to outlove you and always trying to outserve you, we're going to get along. And it makes a difference in all of our relationships as well. There's one more thing, and I really will close with this, I promise. Seven, eight years ago, um, for Christmas, we decided, Karen and I decided that we were going to take uh, our kids uh, on a major trip. And I'll tell you where in just a second. Uh, my wife's parents are from Pocahontas, Arkansas, which is the northeast corner. Uh, we're making our way up there. We stop in Searcy, Arkansas. We're at a, a, a western store there in Searcy, and we come across uh, Buzz, Buzz Lightyear. This is a few years ago. She's a little older than that now. Um, she wanted to ride Buzz Lightyear so bad, so bad. Uh, and I just, I'm a jerk. I just said no. I'm like, no, we're not going to pump money into this thing. You can sit there and pretend. But, and I mean, she just, uh, she just kept on and kept on and kept on. So we finally let her sit on it. I didn't give in. We finally let her sit on it. And so you can't see the tears. They had dried by then. But we finally got her picture uh, with Buzz Lightyear. It wasn't even really working all that great. But she wanted so badly to ride this thing. What Briley didn't understand was that four days later, we would be here. I knew something she didn't know. In her mind, all she wanted was this. We were able to offer this. But she had to trust us. She had to trust us. In this world, there are way too many of us that are satisfied with this. God says, you have no clue what's coming. Too many of us have cashed it in for this. We've got to be so careful. that as we go throughout this world, things that are shiny, things that draw us in, that we don't give them up for what is ultimately coming. 
Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't cash in prematurely. Don't cash in prematurely. Jesus tells us, In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and get you. That's what it says at the bottom. (laughs) Don't cash it in. I want you to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to claim all the things that God says about you. Uh, I'm the pulpit minister for the College Avenue Church of Christ in El Dorado, Arkansas. And I do not end a sermon without going over our mission statement. This is ours. It's a good one. Uh, our, Our mission statement at College Avenue is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love our neighbor as ourself and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Our message is simple. That Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven. And he's coming back. And in the meantime, we will do our best to own what God says about us, us that are in Christ. And we will share that with the lost and dying world. And in doing so, we will be disciples. This is my, one of my favorite acronyms. You can go bald. Some of you are already there. The acronym BALD, B-A-L-D. If we're going to be disciples, Scripture tells us, this is how you remember how to be a disciple, four things in Scripture. The B is you must bear fruit. A is you must abide in the Word. L, you must love others. And D, you have to deny yourself. Are you going bald for Christ? And it's not a checklist. It's a barometer, right? When I'm not spiritually where I need to be, I look at these four things. Am I bearing fruit? Well, if I'm not... No wonder I'm not close to Christ. If I feel distant from God, well, am I spending time in the Word? Am I abiding in the Word, as the Scripture says? If not, then there's probably a reason why I'm not feeling close with, with Christ. Am I loving others? Well, then if I'm not loving others, it's going to be hard to be close to Christ. And denying self. If it's all about me and I feel distant from God, that's an area I need to check. So go bald. Bear free to abide in the Word, love others, and deny self. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to preach. Thank you for listening. Thank you for um, being the amazing church that you are. When Hebrews 12 talks about uh, the cloud of witnesses, I know you're still here, uh, but I still in many ways, you are my cloud. You are my heroes of faith. You endured so many bad sermons when I was a kid, and hopefully others are getting to reap the benefits of better ones because of your patience. Uh, and I thank you so much for that. Uh, this congregation means the world to me and to the Job family, to my mom, my dad, my brother. Uh, And again, it's an amazing opportunity to come home uh, and to be able to spend time with you. Uh, Everything I've talked about today is is geared towards those who are in Christ. Uh, If you are not in Christ, a lot of this doesn't apply to you. Most of it doesn't apply to you, but it needs to. We want it to. If you don't know Christ, we want you to know it, to know what it is uh, to die to self, to be a new creation. Uh, to understand what it means to be uh, baptized, not just, not just a physical bapti- baptism, but to have our sins literally washed away. And to be raised, so as it says in Romans 6, 4, uh, to be raised as a new creation, to walk in the newness of life and what that entails. Uh, if you have questions about that or if you're, a, if you're a believer and a disciple and you have to be honest with yourself and you haven't been following the greatest commands as you should and you would like this body of believers to pray for you, they would be honored to do just that. They prayed for our family for many years and many still continue to. And I know they would be honored to encourage you and walk alongside you uh, in your journey as well. If we can help you in any way with any spiritual need this morning, we ask that you come now. Together we stand and sing.